It's like, well, what, what just a, a cesspool, Twitter, a cesspool of vileness where we just shoot each other down in 140 characters, and we need to be careful what we take in. As Romans 16, 17, watch out for those who cause divisions, and then it says to avoid them. You know, avoid those who cause divisions. And what we do is we welcome them, and they became they become food for the fodder for us to be able to share with other people. And then it comes to a place where we're no longer preaching the gospel. We're no longer talking about Jesus Christ. We're no longer on a mission and trying to bring people into the fold. We are just making fun of people and warning people, not about the impending judgment, but warning people about other people that are true brothers or sisters in Christ. We need to be careful. Just be careful as you proceed. That's all I'm saying. In the famous words of the legendary Golden Girls, thank you for being a friend. Did you guys ever watch the Golden Girls? No. no. Oh, so that was before your time. I wasn't time. born in 1943. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Filthy program. <laughs> Filthy. Thank you for being a friend. You know, the old, I, the eldest lady inside that was actually the youngest lady amongst. Ma? Wait. Ma, no, no, no. You're thinking of Mama's Is family. It? No. White. Her last name's White. She was Isn't an she old lady. Yeah. The old little, the teeny tiny yeah. little mom. Yeah. The, she the was crude, the youngest among the crude, them. Yeah. Yeah. You've got problems. You guys remember Mama's Family? Yeah. Mama's now that was, family? she would wear that wig. It's a show? It's way before your time, Oscar. <laughs> Have you turned 12 yet? The 30s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, why am I singing a song like that? Yeah, why? I, really, you know what I should be singing for the topic for our program today is, Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. To dwell in unity. Mark, everybody should lie, sing, lie, lie. but not everybody should be given a microphone. <laughs> I have one right now. Ray, are you asleep? No, I was thinking it'd be great if I could join the program like 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me in when After you're the ready. Intro. When the buffoonery's done. Uh, yeah, guys, today we're talking about unity. Division, uh, how to avoid division, how to maintain unity amongst believers. This is a big problem. I was speaking with a pastor last night, in fact, at whose church I spoke, and he was telling me about just the ravages of division that he's been seeing. And in my exchange with him, I said, you know, it's really straight out rancor. And he goes, exactly, that's the word, that's the word. It's that rancor, it's that that bitter, acerbic, kind of almost a hateful spirit that people are having toward one another, and we're seeing it in churches. Mark, you and I have, have had talks before of exchanges we've seen on social media yeah. between people that we know that are part of the same church, and they're going off on each other. Social media is not a good platform in order for you to vent mm. against fellow brothers and sisters. You know, it's we recently released an article where you said something to the effect, uh, and I know it's not original. It's so great though. Um, the Christian firing squad lines up in a circle. Yeah, we shoot each other. You're going to say something remotely off, mm. well, then you are done. My son Ethan, I said. I said, hey, there's certain people that are being vilified within Christian circles concerning a specific subject. Yeah. And he sent me a bunch of clips of these people saying certain things. And I said, 
I do not want a 60 second soundbite of somebody saying mm-hmm. something. Right. You know, I remember uh, we have a good friend who's a radio host, and he actually had to apologize to somebody publicly because he accused this person of saying something, which he did. But what he was doing was he was reading what somebody else was saying. Oh, yeah. wow. Right? We, we need to be careful. We need to slow down, and we need to be careful on who we start deeming as heretics inside yeah. the body. Yeah. It's, it's kind of become sort of a, an epidemic, I, I've realized. 100%. And I think we have to clarify here. First of all, it's important that we speak truth when there is evident and definite error, especially when it's dealing with heresy mm-hmm. and the violation of the foundations of the Christian faith, the essentials, we call them. But even in that, we need to be careful about the spirit with which we do it. But then there are other things within the faith that are secondary issues. And we're not just talking doctrinally, but we want to get into some of the different ways that people approach things, whether it's how they educate their children or whether it's how they choose to approach their family vacations or, you know, attire or whatever. We need to, we need to step back and say, hold on a minute here. Are we being divisive? Right. Well, that's that's hugely important. You use the phrase secondary issue, and I think that is key because you're right. There are times in which the word divides, yeah. and and we should be weary of people who are preaching a false gospel. And but the thing is, is that we need to take our cues from the scripture, not the culture, about yeah. those things yeah. that are important. And so yeah. what we do is we look at things as primary and secondary. There are certain primary issues, theological issues, that are foundational to the Christian faith. And if a pastor, a preacher, or someone in your church is going against some of those primary issues, I'm talking about the Trinity, uh, the de- who Christ was, um, the salvation on the cross, uh, these kind of things that are primary things that that are the essence of the Christian faith. If those are being challenged or questions, yes, we need to talk. And yes, division often is in order. But it's the secondary issues yeah. that you're alluding to that are not primary, that we often divide over when we can faithfully disagree. You don't have to agree. Yeah, You can faithfully disagree without calling them a heretic, without being divisive. Right. Oh, one thing I find grievous, especially about the internet, is self-appointed watchmen. Oh, my goodness. And they're all over the place. They will grab half-truths and become mouthpieces for Mm -hmm. demons, and it's grievous. And you can't do anything about it. I mean, years ago, before we got as high profile as we are now, by God's grace, I called a guy and said, no, what you're saying of me isn't true. I just want to clarify it. He grabbed what I said, twisted it, and it just became more fodder for him to become wow. a watchman against me. And I thought, yeah. I'm never doing that again. And so I've learned when I read of people saying things that just are not true or they're half-truths that are, that are just exaggerated, just to commit to prayer and do what Jesus did. When he was reviled, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Yeah. yeah. It is a part of our fallen nature. I mean, social theory even agrees with the scriptures that we tend to identify ourselves based off differences. In other words, we feel more comfortable and safe and at home when we know who's for us and who's against us in the world mm-hmm. around us. And if you think about that, like that is an awful way to live where it's us versus them. And then you mentioned social media. You're exactly right. The big debate about social media, all the news you hear about Facebook and YouTube is essentially that these, the owners, the, 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 the individuals that are creating these platforms are designing algorithms that will put 
divisive things in front of you so that you get more and more angry because what they have discovered is a sin nature issue in all Mm. of us and they're making money off of it. What they've realized is that they can, through their algorithm, hone in on your fears and the things that you dislike and then propagate information in front of you so that you're now consuming all the stuff that's going to make you hate and fear and go more divisive into the us versus them. And so you mentioned like these these self-appointed watchmen. I mean, you're absolutely right. You will find – someone will send me a, a, a YouTube video of someone who I've never heard of. He's not a theologian. He's not a respected pastor. And if you look at his YouTube channel, it's like 50 views, 100 views. I'm canceling this pastor – 80,000 views, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like because the algorithm is designed and, and as content creators, they know the first person to the plate of canceling the next pastor, be it by taking something out of context, then they're going to get more views. And so, yeah, it's, it's all designed to make us be divisive. Well, welcome to Twitter, right? right? I mean, Justin Peters, I think, did a wise move in stepping away from Twitter uh, perhaps for a season or perhaps for eternity. I'm, I'm not sure. He leans towards the latter at this point. Twitter will be an eternity? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that I, I had read a couple of things uh, recently where one well-known pastor was telling other pastor teachers to avoid literation on Sunday morning services to try to get their congregation to remember uh, the message that is being shared. And somebody kind of wisely responded back with, I created this alliteration to help people remember on how they should stay away from alliteration <laughs> for Sunday morning services. I thought it was brilliantly done. The pastor's actually, a, he's, a, he's a brilliant pastor teacher, and I love listening to him. But there, there's other things as well. Like I had listened to, I, excuse me, I read a tweet today that somebody said, uh, John MacArthur is not truly uh, reformed. Right, because if he's truly reformed, he wouldn't be dispensational. Uh, he would perhaps he is soteriologically, but he's not reformed. And they started naming off the different catechisms and different uh, uh, things, and it was just like, wow, it's like well, what? What just a, a cesspool? Twitter, a cesspool of vileness where we just shoot each other down in 140 characters, and we need to be careful what we take in. As Romans sixteen seventeen, watch out for those who cause divisions, and then it says to avoid them. Yeah, you know, avoid those who cause divisions. And what we do is we welcome them, and they became they become food for the fodder for us to be able to share with other people. And then it comes to a place where we're no longer preaching the gospel. We're no longer talking about Jesus Christ. We're no longer on a mission and trying to bring people into the fold. We are just making fun of people and warning people, not about the impending judgment, but warning people about other people that are true brothers or sisters in Christ. We need to be careful. Just be careful as you proceed. That's all I'm saying. It really comes back to fearing the Lord, doesn't it? Mm. If you fear the Lord, you won't. Rip into another brother. Sorry, Oscar. No, that's okay. I think uh, I think a big part of it too is how we receive information and make form opinions on certain things. I think we've become lazy thinkers. I think a lot of people, when a new issue arises in culture, in the news, whatever, instead of turning to the things that we ought to turn to, we think, well, what does so and so say? And right away, we're pulling up information from like an ultimately social media influencer pastor that who's, you know, oftentimes created the entire platform on being divisive. And then we just run with whatever they're giving us and we go, okay, that's, he's a part of my tribe. I'm going to agree with him and assign him authority over my thoughts. 
and then run with that. And uh, Brett McCracken, Brett McCracken wrote this great book about wisdom, and he created this wisdom pyramid. Think about it like a food pyramid. The thing that he he focused on is that the areas in which we should get the least amount of wisdom is where we start. So at the top, if you think about the pyramid, the small little triangle at the very top is social media. And so starting from the very bottom, he says like the first place that we should go to is the Bible for our wisdom authority. Before we ask social media what our favorite apologist has to say, we should know the word of God. The second place that we should go is the local church. The local church, your pastor and your elders for conversations, your fellow members of your church, God has given you to them and them to you to grow in wisdom. The third place that we should go is his nature and beauty, his created order. The next place is through books, specifically books written throughout history. The reason why I like reading books by dead theologians is because they had a different cultural context. And so they're not blind by the same malaise that we're blinded by. And then the third place is the internet, websites, blogs, and things of this nature. And then the fourth place is YouTube, Twitter, and things like that. But think about that wisdom pyramid. We go the opposite direction almost all the time. We go to Twitter and YouTube, then the internet, blogs, then books, then nature, and then the Bible is like the very – and if you think about it, if you go – if you approach the Bible in reverse order – now you're not allowing the Bible to speak, but rather you're allowing you're allowing this this uh, filtration system speak to the Bible. So now you're pulling out Bible verses to affirm what your favorite online social media guru is saying, rather than rather than starting with the Word of God. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too that even when it comes to secondary issues, you can have cordial discussion amongst believers. I mean, there are believers that go online, they make a YouTube video or they put something up on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever, and they address something that another believer is doing it. But I've seen it done with with the right spirit. Hey, and I love when the word brother is referenced and those brother, I disagree with you on this. And and they and proceed because it's reminding everyone and themselves that, hey, we're united in Christ, but we have different views. So let's let's openly dialogue about this. And And I think it's the spirit of divisiveness that's so displeasing to the Lord. We, we can't forget Proverbs 16, 19 says one of the things in that list that God hates is one who sows discord mm. among brethren. Yep. That, that's, wow. And anything that God hates, right, Ray, should get our attention. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, um, I don't believe any two Christian 
brothers can agree on anything. I disagree. I disagree. I don't agree. I cannot say that. I don't agree with you. Yeah. You are canceled. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, we've done this on another podcast, so we're repeating that for you, friends. Yeah, Enjoy thank it. you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I often think that we can't forget the fact that we have true and false conversions, false converts sitting alongside genuine converts within the body of Christ. Parable of the Soil makes that clear. You've got the stony ground here, good soil here. They sit amongst God's people as tears among the wheat, foolish virgins among the wise, bad fish among the good, and sheep among the goats. Mark, what are you doing? I'm recording. No, don't you, dear. We're already being recorded. <laughs> Double yeah, recorded. He's going to cause division on Facebook and he Twitter already with this has. video. It's make me mad. I'm going to blog about this as soon as I get home. Yeah. <laughs> um, Solomon had two women come before them. Both the women professed to be the true mother. And Solomon, in his wisdom, got a sword. Man, I would have loved being a fly on the wall to see that. Give me a sword, and he is going to divide the baby in half. And the real mother said, no, don't divide. Don't divide. I give up my rights. That's the true convert. The false convert will say, I'll divide this local church, this body with my pet doctrine, my belief in prophecy, or I believe this or that. I don't care if I divide it. That's not the true mother. The true convert will do anything he can. He will back down. Let go of his pet doctrines rather than divide the body of Christ. Wow. Uh, I love this quote by Peter Weiner as he's assessing the church into this day and age. And I want to preface by saying when he uses context in this quote is that when he uses the phrase politics, he's not thinking Republican Democrat. He's talking, he uses the phrase politics as in the way in which we create division, us versus them. It's us against them. And so here's what he says. The root of the discord lies in the fact that many Christians have embraced the worst aspects of our culture and our politics. When the Christian faith is politicized, churches become respiratories not of grace but of grievances. Places where tribal identities are reinforced, where fears are nurtured, where aggression and nastiness are sacralized. The result is not only wounding the nation, it's having a devastating impact on the Christian faith. And that's exactly right. I mean, John 13, 35 gives us an understanding of what's at stake here. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my dis- disciples if you love one another. Think about the disciples. They came from different social economic backgrounds, different faith backgrounds, and yet they had a love for one another. They certainly didn't always agree, but they always loved. So we all sh- we should edify one another, encourage one another. That's what you're saying. Start with me. Go ahead. And that's why you say at the end of each podcast, you guys are great. Well, two of you were. <laughs> I, do, I do. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I was being silly singing that song earlier, but it comes from oh, Psalm 133. You sound, that was just you being serious. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he goes on to, to give that beautiful description of Aaron and the oil running down his beard. And I mean, it, it was understood then, that imagery of the beauty of unity between brethren. Mark, uh, easy, sorry, not Mark. Sorry, I didn't insult you. Could you open up the analogy of that? Because whenever I read that psalm and I think of oil dripping through my beard, it's not a pleasant, <laughs> not a pleasant It's oil experience. off of a taco. Oh, that's <laughs> it's like, uh, what if it doesn't make a mess in your mouth, it shouldn't be in your mouth on your lap. Well, the real focus is is the blessing of the Lord. Is it the Holy Spirit yeah, oil or exactly. anything like that? And, and, and again, and he ends the psalm by saying, for there the Lord commanded the blessing 
life forevermore. And it's just indicative of, of God's blessing, his anointing that he puts on his people and the beauty that's involved in that. And, and we've seen it, right? We, we see it here at our ministry and the unity that we all have. Again, we're all different. We have per- different perspectives on different things. Good looking, intelligent. <clears throat> Me and not you guys. <laughs> Of course, we know it's true. But I find it really <clears throat> funny that you actually think you're good looking. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, when something is true, then a righteous man nah, acknowledges it. He meant it. that his eyesight's good when it speaks of good looking. <laughs> I good am nice, looks. I am cute, I am pretty too. <clears throat> there goes my voice. But yeah, you know, um, unity. It's, it's just beautiful. There's differences. So let, let's jump into the thick of it right now. Yeah, unity right. begins with you. Ah, unity. Here comes the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got another book now. Tomorrow morning, Uh, 4 o'clock. Let me say this. I've been wanting to say this, and this is actually my only point that I'm going to bill out. (laughs) You had mentioned, Oscar, the idea of primary essentials. You had talked about primary essentials as well. And our friend Matt Slick over at CARM, he actually created a doctrine grid. And it's not a perfect grid, and he admits that even in the midst of the grid, but there are certain things that fall under certain categories where we finally have to part away from someone because they don't fall under uh, different essential issues and areas. And so he's divided this into five different sections. We have primary essential issues, which would include, right, Jesus is both God and man, uh, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, salvation is by grace alone, uh, that there's one God. You had even mentioned this earlier, uh, Oscar. Then you have secondary essential issues. Maybe people don't fully understand these issues, and this would be like uh, the Trinity, I don't fully understand how this happens, or Jesus was born of a virgin. Obviously, that's important. It's, in fact, it's essential. But somebody doesn't understand how that works, guess what? You can still be a Christian. But there are worldviews that fall under these categories that now they, they, they are heretical. You have uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and things of that nature. Then he says there's primary non-essential issues, such as fidelity in marriage or inerrancy of Scripture or eternal security. As important as these things are, they're not important towards salvation. It's not a salvific issue in which we are talking about. And then uh, we have secondary non-essential issues where we talk about perhaps uh, communion or predestination or eschatology or the gifts of the Spirit or prosperity. Uh, excuse me, um, I'm gonna, I, I messed that up a little bit. Eschatology, gifts, communion, and predestination or eschatology. And then finally, we just have heresy. That's just straight-out heresy, and that needs to be rejected altogether. And for this, it would be women pastors. There should not be a woman pastor or prosperity gospels. That's not a gospel. You have changed. You have maligned. You are malicious, perhaps even in your intent. As Justin Peter says, some of these people, they are bringing people after their own accord, after their own ways of thinking. They're not just tickling their ears. They are bringing people to hell along with them, and we are to reject such people. And so if you remember these sort of things, there's primary essential, secondary essential, primary non-essential, secondary non-essential, and heresy. But in the midst of it all, we speak the truth, we speak it in love and with graciousness, because we learned a lot of these things as we progressed in our faith. I didn't understand the Trinity when I got saved, right? Monogenistically speaking, God did a work inside of me, and things began to fall into place. So, but by the grace of God, there go you with your faulty thinking and reasoning and your theology. We need to be gracious towards people because they may not be where we're at, but if it's heretical, 
and its view. We need to reject it altogether, and we need to be a voice and to protect and to warn and it's people. it's important to realize, too, that some of the things that we talk about, the very things that we tend to want to be divisive over are the things that we're super passionate about. It's First Peter 2, like, do not let your passions take you over. Those are things that you care deeply about. I've sat in a room with a Presbyterian pastor, a Baptist pastor, a non-denominational pastor, and I've watched them under unity ask each other questions about reaching the lost in their community. What are they seeing? What are they doing? Success, failures within their church. Like those are guys, if I took the Presbyterian pastor aside and talked about paleo baptism, he can be incredibly passionate about it. And maybe that's an area in which if you were going to be a member, an elder of their church, it's something you'd have to believe so you're talking about a meeting they came together and there was unity? Yes. No one killed each other? No one killed each other. But if you think about his passion for paleo-baptism, he has a right to require that belief amongst his elders, yet he leaves it aside for the sake of unity when he approaches other brothers. The way I would think about it is, and I've heard, I'm I'm borrowing this from someone, I just can't remember who, he he talks about it as like the, the United States of America. California and New York and Texas have very different ways of doing things. Do we understand where you're in Cali- when you're in California versus Arizona? Yeah, of course. There are certain local laws that are different. Taxes are different. Culture is different from California to New York to Florida to Alaska. There are lines that divide, yet we are unified. We are together. If we were going to go to war with Russia or China, we would bring our armies together and go to war. And so we are united as a country but divided as states. And and that's perfectly fine to be united as God's global church, but divided under these tertiary issues that we can have passions over, but we're unwilling to, to, yeah. to disengage yeah. for. Good yeah. metaphor. And, you know, I, I like what you said, Mark, in terms of growing an understanding of certain things. You know, there are, like, as an example, you'll get a new believer and they don't fully understand the Trinity, right? But you know the difference, the Trinity being obviously one of the essentials of the faith, that's the nature of God. But if they come to a place where they deny the Trinity, having understood it, then that's obviously they've entered a realm of heresy, and, and it's evident that they haven't been born again because they're, they're not connecting with the truth that the Spirit has revealed to all of His yes, redeemed people. exactly. So those things are, are so, so important to remember. So we're talking about Romans 14, are we? Where Scripture begins talking about someone comes into you, not about, not talking about the Trinity, just anything where someone comes into the faith, they're new and they're weak and they think you can't eat meat, but you right. just, you just, you, you accommodate Yeah, and, th- and that's another area of convictions, which is a, re- a really good point, Ray, you know, that, that I also wanted to touch on. So, I mean, like, think about what's going on today. And, and let's just put this on the table, because this is one of the biggest areas that is causing a lot of division between believers, and that's everything going on with COVID, Right. And I mean, I had a friend who is a, a pastor, a, a dear brother that I, I've been very close to for many years. And when the whole COVID thing happened, you know, he, he shut his church down and, and eventually ended up opening up again. But he said, someone approached him from his church and said, Are you a Democrat? And I mean, and these people left the church. He's like, What are you talking about? Like, are you seriously making that leap right now? Because I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm responding in, in terms of trying to figure out what this whole virus is about. We don't know yet. That's when it first, you know, all started. But, but that, vaccines, the vaxxers, the non-vaxxers, you know, obviously all of us here at this table have our convictions. We're not talking about not having convictions. We're not even talking about refraining from maybe sharing your thoughts and ideas on things with, with your 
brothers and sisters in Christ in the proper context, we're talking about the right heart and attitude. Mm-hmm. And believers like breaking fellowship with others over these things. Oh, you've been vaccinated. You must be a, this liberal crazy. Or, oh, you haven't been vaccinated. Oh, How's you, Hillary you, doing? Yeah. You must have a direct communication with her. Right. I mean, it's insane. We need to pause and say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Yeah. God hates division among his people. We're going to differ on things. Mm-hmm. What army is going to succeed if there's not unity and purpose in an army? Mm. And we're the army of Christ. We've got to yeah. walk into walk together lest they be agreed. And in strive new- together for the faith of the gospel. Strive. Yeah. Amen. In the New Testament, they were experiencing incredible amounts of pressure to be divisive. Their their issues were around circumcision and food. And you have to you have to appreciate and recognize how deep of a conviction circumcision and food was for the early church. Like masks is something, masks and vaccines is something that that's relatively a new conversation that we're just dealing with, right? No one's talked about masks until the last year. No one's talking about like vaccines until the last maybe 10, 15 years. But circumcision and food was a generational debate in the New Testament. Skirmishes and wars broke out over circumcision and food. You, If you were in the New Testament and you were sitting there, you can think back generation, grandfather after grandfather after grandparent after grandparent that had a strong opinion that divided, that went to war. And now these different cultures, backgrounds, convictions are coming together. And at first they bring those, that divisiveness into the church. And through Paul and Peter and ultimately the words of our Savior, they find that they need to put to death these passions, that they need to lay those aside for their new identities in Christ. And so I guess my question to those listening is what are the circumcisions of today? What are the debates about food today where you can have strong convictions, educated, informed opinions, but that that the Lord desires for you to leave behind as you become a men- member of his kingdom. No. Mark, wouldn't you say that what ends up happening when people don't leave room for diversity when it comes to issues of conviction, that that will ultimately lead to legalism in a church? Yeah, I mean, I think that legalism is, um, by and large, birthed from someone typically who wants to be spiritual, who wants to walk with God, but they stray from the simplicity that is found in Christ. And we see that the Apostle Paul had uh, rebuked the Corinthians because they were wanting to stray from the simplicity. Remember, Adam and Eve, they, they wanted to, they strayed from the simplicity. That's what it says right there in, inside uh, in, inside the Word. So, we have this idea that we want to be, uh, as Adam and Eve, want to be like God, right? Remember, so here's the first temptation, the first sin. They want to be like God. Well, why is that a terrible thing? No, there's a certain place where there's a fall off, right? Where we have to understand that God knows what he's doing, allow God to be God, and we don't, we're not God's watchdog, you know? We may be watchmen, but we're not the watchdog. So we need to be careful on what yoke we put on a fellow brother or sister. I mean, there was, what was it, 25 years ago, Easy, you and I, I remember we uh, were part of a group where uh, certain people felt that it was okay to maybe watch a football game or a basketball game, and then it was wrong to go to Disneyland, right? <laughs> and I remember, I remember very vividly you in the midst of the crowd of our friends just saying, guys, what is the difference here? You need to realize that you have egg on your own face, 
Be careful not to put someone underneath a yoke that they were not designed and destined to be able to carry because God's yoke is easy and his burden is light and there remains a rest for the people of God as Colossians, I think, 3. Just uh, mumble it. Tells us. Colossians 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think what we've got to always remember Hebrews. is that we've got a... Still going? We've, we've got... <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think it is Hebrews. <laughs> we wrestle <laughs> not against... Which one was it, Mark? Sorry. <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, mm-hmm. and realize that we are being provoked by demons to create disunity mm. within the body so wow, we lose man. sight of our purpose. Have you guys ever been in a church split? I have, and it was a horror beyond words. You just don't realize how spiritual things are. It's like all the vultures and hyenas get loosed yeah. all at once, and it's it's like depressing and discouraging and horrible. So when the Bible says strive together for the unity of the brethren, we've got to do that. We've got yeah, to actually, link arms. Our well, church Ray. had a split last Sunday. We all went out to ice cream and we got a banana split. <laughs> That's really powerful. <laughs> yeah, That's terrible. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ray. Listen to what Spurgeon said in that vein. He said, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Mm. And that is true. We have to remember that we have an enemy at work, and the antidote really is humility. And that's what our relationship is founded on. Remember once you said something to me via text and I wrote back, dumb? Oh, yes. And, and I was meaning that I'm dumb, but you thought <laughs> that you meant dumb. I meant you were dumb and that was just crazy for a minute there and we, we come together and just laughed over it. And always remember, and that's why often we'll text each other and just write the word dumb to remember <laughs> that Satan's, yeah. uh, Satan's big weapon is misunderstanding. And I remember Dumb. what solved that. I remembered was I, I ended up emailing you back and saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry if I came across this way. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I, I know you see this as dumb. And you're like, what are you talking about? You know. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I communicated because yes. if I didn't, I could have walked away and let that fester in my heart. And you could be in another country as an Arab leading different ministries. And- <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but communication, humility, dialogue with one another, having that spirit that says, look, I'm going to listen, not mm. just talk, but listen. And, and unity is huge. I mean, think of what Philippians 2, 1 through 2 says. Paul says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Can I just say something here, if easy on, on yeah. that subject, that often these people that promote and have got a, a foundation on disunity, they've built their ministry on it, ripping other pastors, legitimate mm. pastors to pieces. Yeah. They don't have the wisdom from above. That's right. You cannot reason with them. You go and say, hey, this is causing division. That, that It's a devilish wisdom, the Bible says, because the wisdom that's a, from above is open to reason. Yeah. And it's a humble heart. Yeah, it's willing to yield. I love mm, that, that, that verbiage, willing to yield. It's peaceable. It's gentle. And... And that's what should be displayed in our disagreements. I love it when I do see churches that have a diversity uh, in, in different convictions. There are people that homeschool their kids. There are others that don't. You know. Now, again, I have my personal perspective. I homeschool my children. <gasps> I, I speak at homeschool conferences. <laughs> I think homeschooling is absolutely wonderful. I'd love to see all Christians homeschooling their kids, but we all have different preferences. That's where I have to stop, mm. not take it any further in my heart and mind. That person stands or falls before their own master. And if I go beyond that line, I've now entered the realm of judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. 
And again, we can dialogue. I can say to a friend, hey, have you thought about this or that? These are my concerns. And he might say, you know, I have, I have, I need to think about that. Or yeah, we have, we've decided this. End of story. This is my brother. I walk away. It's between Mm -hmm. him and the Lord. If it's an issue of definite, clear, blatant sin, that's another matter. Yeah. I think there's also a heart of teachability. Like when you see somebody who disagrees with you that has a different opinion than you, even as passionate as you might be, are you entering into a conversation because you want to uh, convince them otherwise? Or is there, and that's fine, but you also ought to have conversations with a teachable heart to better understand their perspective, their view, their position, so that you can walk away going, while we disagree, I respect your view and opinion on that. And I think that you're making an informed decision and that I can honor. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I I recommend a book um, by uh, Gene Edwards. I I read it probably 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. It's a wonderful book. I Tell of Three Kings. Have you read that book? I think I might have recommended it to you because I read it in New Zealand and it saved my life. Mm. It really did. Have you ever read it, you I guys? It, you're going to give oh, yeah, us, I've read it. You give a synopsis. Yeah. It's, it's really a short good. book, but it changes everything. It talks about David and Saul and the different spirits, yes. how, how David did not pull the spear out of the wall and throw it back at Saul. He just gave it to the Lord in prayer. And when people are throwing mm. spears at you, don't throw them back. And it was such a powerful truth. It's good. Is that what you're going to say, Mark? Word for word. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, I can't. Listen, it is a real easy read book. Um, highly recommend it. You can read it in one sitting. Mm. A Tale of Three Kings, David, Saul, and Absalom. Uh, if you need a book dealing with this particular subject, I highly recommend it. It saves your life. It saves you wrecking the church, Yeah, yeah. Uh, thinking you're doing right. You can actually go out the back door like David did. Yeah, it, this wouldn't be complete without this quote from our sister, Corey Ten Boom. Be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. Wow. And I pray that would happen with a spirit of, of love and, and graciousness between us. Because again, the enemy desires to destroy us as God's people. We have to resist that. And we have to do it, again, by that, that spirit of humility. And to fulfill what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And that doesn't mean the same perspective on everything, lest we become cookie-cutter people that don't have true conviction. I'm always suspicious when everybody, whether it's in a family or it's in a ministry or it's in a church, everybody is 100% in agreement on everything. I disagree. I disagree with you. <laughs> Sounds like we're doing well. Are you going to wind down soon? Yes. Is it your flesh wanting the tacos that are coming up? Oh, you... tacos. Oh, I can my Ray's been fidgeting there in his chair. Well, I want to eat tacos. So we've got, we explain what's happening. Yeah, we're uh, today uh, celebrating one of our staff members' 10 years with the ministry. We and got so a taco guy outside. We got tacos. And when Ray starts wiggling in his chairs, it means he wants not tacos, but tacos. Speaking of Kari Ten Boom. Um, she, her <laughs> last name reminds me of the uh, teaching God's Ten Canons. Ten Booms? Yeah, ten <laughs> oh, that's a cool, interesting last name. Isn't it? Well, friends, we hope that you've been encouraged and blessed and stirred toward unity. Uh, seek God on that. Walk in love toward your brethren. And make sure to check out the resources that we have that will help you with that, like the Evidence Bible. Ray, just push it over to me. Well, look, my papers didn't fall down. That was miraculous. Are you going to end? No, Mark. Mark's going to throw a cup. Don't do it. Now Oscar's you, look, throwing trash. Look, why don't you end by saying, instead of saying, living more like your height, just go. Well, go, see you later. Say, go serve your king. Or like, something original. Ooh, keep stealing the spin stops end. here. 
spin stops. The spin stops. <laughs> Be kind, right. rewind. Well, no, the top spins here. <laughs> the top spins yeah. here. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. Remember, livingwaters.com. And uh, what's the other one? Podcast at livingwaters.com to give us your thoughts. And make sure to check out um, everything. Oh, rate and like and share and subscribe and do all those wonderful things. Thank you for joining us for the Living Waters podcast. Yep, right, right. Yep, yep. Be kind. Rewind. I've never won anything in my life. Well, some of you can no longer say that, friends. Here are the winners for the Living Waters podcast giveaway. Carrie from Hobart, Oklahoma. Bryce from Huntington, Indiana. Kenneth from Redding, California. Jamie from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Heather from Ashland, Ohio. Will from Norfolk, Nebraska. Gabrielle from Bristol, Connecticut. Marcy from Liverpool, New York. Dylan from Kadena, Australia. And Jobelin from Newmarket, Canada. How boot that A. We love you guys. Keep listening to the Living Waters Podcast.